2: And I'm Leah. And we're so excited to launch our podcast, Lactation Business Coaching with Annie and Leah, where we talk about the smart
3: way to create a compassionate and professional private practice. Well, hey, Leah. Hey, Annie. How are you doing today? I'm good. How is it down there in Houston? We're muggy today, muggy and hot, but you know, that's just what comes with our territory. How about you guys? We are having glorious fall
2: weather finally in New York City, and that means it's going to last for like another two and a half days, and then (laughs) it's going to be hot again, and then it's going to be cold, and that's just life up here in the Northeast.
3: Right, but have you guys gotten your fall colors yet? Are things starting to
2: change? Not yet. We won't get them until mid-October, so it's it's still a little early for that. Awesome. So in today's episode, we are going to talk about how to turn your passion for lactation into a sustainable business. Are you ready to talk about that today, Leah? I'm super excited. I'm really passionate about this topic. I know me too. I could talk about it all day long, which is probably why I wanted to start a podcast. So I could talk about (laughs) it all day long. Yep. Me too. I'm with you. So before we launch into our topic for the day, Leah is going to give us a marketing tip. Leah, what do you have for us?
3: So one of the things that I notice a lot of people talking about in Facebook groups and some of the groups that are like starting your business is what to do when you have that ebb and flow where you have a really busy week and then the next week is really slow or... You get that last minute cancellation and you're frustrated because you drove all the way across town. And now, what are you going to do with your time? It's wasted. And so, I like to turn that around. And when you're a business owner, you can make any moment not a non wasted moment by just carrying marketing supplies with you. I love face to face marketing. So, face to face marketing means like getting in front of the people that you want to refer to you. So, in that moment that somebody canceled, you're across town pull up on your phone how many pediatricians are around you and start walking in their offices and leaving business cards, talking to the referral nurses. It's a great way to use what you might expect to be wasted time as becoming super valuable time. And the next week you'll probably turn around and be super busy again because you're going to get new referrals.
2: I love that because there are pediatricians everywhere and their doors are open and you can just walk in. So I think it's a great strategy to fill that extra time. So thank you so much for that tip.
3: No problem. So on this episode, we were going to talk about how have we approached a private practice and making it an actual business. And I think, for both of us, we started in a volunteer capacity and I think both of us, we've talked about it before, have really struggled with you know, moving from that volunteer and we had to take some extra steps to move from that volunteer mode into I have a business, I'm doing this work that I used to do as a volunteer in a different capacity and I'm doing it for pay now.
2: Yeah, I know that's been really hard for me and I've now been in private practice for a long enough where I'm like, yeah, I'm doing this. And I still have that, that part of me that feels like I could be giving more. I used to give so much when I was a volunteer. And sometimes I can even feel like, am I being selfish because I want to get paid for this instead yes. of just staying as a volunteer. And that is, you know, just kind of a struggle that always is in the background. and And for me, you know, I got into this because I wanted to help breastfeeding families and I became a La Leche League leader. And it was such a big part of my life and so formative for my parenting and how I mothered my children and friends that I made. And for me, I came to a point where I realized I had to retire from La Leche League and from being a leader because of the effect that it was having on my business that I just, it was too hard for me To switch gears. And that doesn't mean that I can't find ways to be a volunteer and to give back to my community and to hold on to those values. But I was not able to stay a leader and have a private practice. And I I was a leader for about nine years. So I I feel like I was a leader for a good long time.
3: (laughs) You gave your time for sure. Well, I definitely think there is this mindset you really have to have about like switching hats. Like, okay, I'm in my volunteer capacity right now. And then switching into your, I'm being paid for this work right now. And for a lot of people, that's a big struggle because there's not a real clear line in the sand where that's going to be clear enough that everybody feels really comfortable with it. So I could see where retiring as a volunteer could be A way to get that clear boundary I've continued on but I've pulled back on what I do so I don't take help calls anymore and I just fill in for meetings now so I'm not a regular meeting host and that's worked really well because it's not something that I'm having to think about really really frequently and then I try to be active in other ways like around conference time and stuff like that I'll try to give more time in that capacity. So it's not really direct mother to mother help, but some other background capacities, but it's definitely really hard. And one of the things I think it's very important when you're moving is to take that volunteer mindset and then have the boundary that you make is by establishing a real business that you are, you know, nobody's going to take you as seriously in your business as you take yourself. So when you establish a real business and you act under that business, it's a little bit easier to have that separation from volunteer to I am a business owner and I'm running my business right now.
2: Yeah, I think that's really very good point because you're two different people. You're a volunteer and you're a clinical professional and First of all, La Leche League and other volunteer I know I could speak for La Leche League, but probably other volunteer organizations have this as well. La Leche League does not want you advertising your private practice when you're wearing your leader hat, when you're in a meeting. You're there to be a volunteer. You're there to be representing La Leche League. And on the same level, when you have a private practice, you don't really want your clients thinking that, well, I saw her once and now I can call her anytime I want for follow-up because she's a volunteer. And that means she has all the time in the world to talk to people about breastfeeding. And you're like, no, as a volunteer, I have really carved out this certain way that I give back. And that doesn't mean that now I have everything to give to everyone. So creating that clear distinction to say, when I'm a leader, I do this. When I'm an IBCLC, in my private practice, I do this and to really try not to have overlap there. So I think what you brought up about not doing volunteer helping calls anymore, I think that's a really important place where you can make that distinction between your volunteer role and your clinical role. Because as a clinician, the longer you do this work, the more you realize that everybody's situation is so complicated. And so that one simple question that you're like, well, back when I was a baby leader, somebody will call up and say, my baby doesn't sleep all night. And I'm like, oh yeah, that babies are like that. And, you know, just give into it, surrender, you know, all of those great, beautiful things that have their place, especially within the context of a mother to mother support group, or even just when you want that person on the phone, but you gonna find that the longer you do this work the harder it's gonna be for you to turn off that clinical part to say why is that baby waking up what is right? going on do I and need to have try like to... 10 questions 10 questions that follow 10 more questions that and follow then all of a sudden you've been on the phone with her for an hour. Uh oh step away from the step, mini consult. As <laughs> Brooks would say step away from the <laughs> mini consult. And so that's really the danger. And so to say you know what this is not a safe way for me to be a volunteer. This actually puts me at risk of spending too much time on the phone, which I don't want to do, possibly giving someone not good recommendations because I'm over either overthinking it or not thinking about it enough. But leading those in-person meetings, facilitating a parent support group as a volunteer is a beautiful way to give back to your community that isn't going to impact the clinical side of your practice and in fact can add a lot to it where you just get to go be with people yes. and you'll get so much from it too
3: And I think your point with that with leading the meetings is much easier than the one-on-one because as a Lacheuli leader, you are trying to promote peer-to-peer support and encourage talking amongst the moms, you know, who has gone through this? Do you have things to share about that? And so it takes all the pressure off of you answering the questions, you being the one helping this mom figure it out. So I think that was always easier for me to wear just my leader hat in that situation because I felt like more of a facilitator than the helper.
2: Definitely. And I also love what you said about stepping up at conference time. And a lot of these volunteer organizations, sometimes they have plenty of people that are willing to do those, lead the meetings, take the phone calls, be those on the ground breastfeeding supporters. And where the these organizations start to really struggle is in the management side of things, people who are actually providing support to the volunteers—and I, I know, at least from my time in the Leche League of New York, there were always more jobs to do. There, you know, we could always use more help. And I I'd served on the as a district advisor, which is one of the leader support roles, and we were always like, "Oh, we'd be just so great if we had more people that wanted to serve nice. in these capacities." And that really does give so much to the breastfeeding world. And yes, it might not be direct contact with a family, but you're providing critical support to an organization that is doing so much. When you believe in that organization, that background behind the scenes work is really does make a difference. And that can be a great way to make that separation. Absolutely.
3: I am 100% agreement with that. So
2: now that we've kind of decided like, okay, we've got to separate between our business and our volunteer. And then we just spent a lot of time talking about all the ways we can volunteer. Let's talk about how we can make this a business. So what does that even mean? Having a lactation business?
3: Right. I would say with any business, and this is one area that I think people moving into this might not have a business background. And with any business, you're going to have kind of a structure, a foundation under you that includes your financial aspects, your legal aspects, your policy and procedures. It's this full encompassing foundation for the actual work you're going to go out and do day in and day out. And that looks the same across many industries. And I know here in Texas, and I think this is around, you know, there's a the small business association. And if you are not a business person, it's great to take the classes through them because they tell you how to lay this generic foundation. And I think that really helps you also, you know, we were talking about that switching gears, like, okay, I'm a real business now. I'm taking myself seriously. I'm setting this all up to have this really healthy foundation so I can go out and do my work day in and day out.
2: Yeah, I absolutely agree. And In my family, my husband is a small business owner and my father was a small business owner. So I was really raised in this and have lived my whole life in this world where you are living by your wits and that what you create is what you have. And I've barely had a real job in my life. I've always freelanced. I've always tried to make things and create opportunities. And when in a private practice, it was I really was able to draw on a lot of that experience of saying, okay, but I need to have certain things in place. I need to, first of all, know how I'm going to do this. So I'm not just going to jump in and do it. I'm going to make sure that I know what I'm going to do. So, you know, this was back in 2011 when I passed the exam. So I went and I bought the books and I bought the charting templates and I le- I sat down and I really I actually spent about six to eight months after I got my letter that I passed the exam before I saw my first client because I, I just felt like I just spent all this time studying for this exam and learning all this clinical stuff and and like all these factual things. But I actually don't know much about what I'm actually supposed to do right. when I go to this woman's house. Like what right. is she expecting from me? And so I don't regret that I took it slowly and I don't think I could have I would have had the capacity to do any of that prep work in before taking the exam. My brain was all full of the exam. Right.
3: Well, let me tell you how I did it. Okay? So, when I started my business, I had started it with a partner and we had studied together for the exam. So, we met on a real tight schedule to, every week we met two or three times wow. a week to study for the exam and we decided to just take a leap of faith. And the day we took the exam, we kept our study schedule. And for those next three months, we still met and we worked on our business and we created all the foundation. And we just were like, we're just going to assume we pass this. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It was a real leap of faith. We were like, okay, as much as we studied for it, there's got to be no way that we failed this. So we're just going to assume that we passed it. So literally we saw our first client the day after we got our results back. I love that. But it was with a completely established business. Like every legal document had been filed with the state and signed and Everything was done prior to seeing it. So it was a neat way to do it because we kept up that momentum. Yes. uh, And the excitement from getting to take the exam and then moving right into the business establishment. But
2: I think that you could do that even without having a study partner. Like I, I love that you guys motivated each other and you had somebody to work with. But I think even somebody that's studying for the exam on their own could copy that and say, okay, well, I carved out this time to study for the exam, and now that I passed the exam, I, I don't necessarily get that time back. I would recommend taking a couple of days after you take the exam and
3: yes <laughs> think
2: about your business, but right. keep those dates with yourself. Make that commitment. You worked really hard to study for this exam. You probably put a lot into it in terms of time and made sacrifices. And that's going to be something that's Going to be required of you going forward. There's going to be time, and there's going to be sacrifices that are not necessarily monetized. In that, like, okay, I saw a client. I was there for two hours. She gave (laughs) me this money, but outside of that two hours is however many hours you spent on your business, preparing to see her, continuing education, all that business structure that you were talking about, getting all of your legal ducks in in order, working on your website, and you really have to think about all of this kind of time that is going to be asked of you. So start right away and assume that you're going to need to give time in order to make this happen. And it's not going to be, you're not going to be on the clock. You're going to be on your own clock. So you've got to make that available to yourself.
3: Yeah. And it's a huge time commitment, but you really want to, you know, we were talking about how important this kind of foundation is and, you know, a lot of these things are hard to change later on. So you really want to have it all set up the way you want to have it set up for the entire time. You're going to be working in this business. Yes. It's so important to have, take the time to like, make sure you plan it out. Well, make sure you have the legal, the financial, all of those things laid out really, really well, right from the get go.
2: Definitely. Because it's
1: at Parker
2: so much easier to just keep doing the same thing than to change how you're doing something. And don't do that to yourself. So like future Leah can get a present from past Leah because past Leah put a firm foundation in place. So then a year and a half down the road, future Leah's like, I am just so happy that past Leah made this so easy for me right now. <laughs> I love so, it.
3: <laughs> that is a great way to think of it for sure. Cause it really is a gift to the success of your business long-term. I see so many people, you know, popping up, trying to start a business and in their minds, I, it's kind of like, okay, I'm just going to go run on Facebook real quick and let everybody know I can see all your friends that have babies, like call me and have done nothing else. And then they get in it and they're like, oh my gosh, I have to be HIPAA compliant. Oh my gosh, I had no idea. Oh my gosh, I have to register an EIN to be able to do these other things. I had no idea. And it's panic mode at that point, which is really going to change how you're, going to interact and be able to do your job that you worked so hard to establish for yourself. So I love that that thought of giving yourself a gift it truly is and you're going to you're going to make your business more successful by taking this time.
2: Definitely. And if you're working with a mentor under pathway 3 to get your hours to qualify for the exam, these are things you're going to be want to talk with your mentor about. And if you are not mentoring with somebody who is doing studying with if your mentor is not someone who's in private practice, I would recommend finding someone who is. And if you pass the exam and you're thinking, huh, I actually never talked to anybody who is in private practice and I don't know what Annie and Leah are talking about, then jump on the Facebook because we've got a lot of groups where people want to talk about private practice and people want to help you and connect locally and get answers to those questions and even find out what questions you have. And the, the kind of the unfortunate truth about all of this is that you're going to have to spend some money before your business is actually making money. And that is a bitter pill to swallow. Yes, it really is. I
3: think it's so hard to think about, well, what if I don't even make money and I'm going to dump in, you know, a thousand dollars or $500 and I'm not even sure if this is going to take off or be successful. It really is a hard investment, but every company ever starts with investors. Rarely you're going to get a company off the ground with zero money going into it.
2: I think that's a great way to look at it, to call yourself an investor in your own business rather than thinking of it as money that you have to spend as opposed to money that you're going to spend on something else for your life. But to say, I am making a financial investment in my business by spending money on these essential things that I need to make sure that it's running correctly. And then that's going to make you take it seriously. And there are certain things that I would consider absolutely essential. And that one is legal counsel. And that, you know, that might be that you do your incorporation through a reputable online service. There's nothing wrong with that. There's no shame in that because those are, there are lawyers, the good ones, they're actual lawyers, but nothing really can substitute for having a relationship with an actual attorney who can advise you on the specifics of your situation, because what's right for, just like in breastfeeding, It might be right for 50 people and really not be right at all for you. And nobody can tell you that except for someone who is licensed to practice law. The same thing goes for these financial structures that you're looking into. Do I incorporate, do I not incorporate? The answer is nobody can tell you that, but a CPA can give you advice on that. Right. Talk to a bookkeeper, because you have to know the specifics of your tax situation the taxes for your country for your state for your province wherever you are it's going to be different for every single one of you you're never going to regret the money that you spent talking to a legal or a financial professional and and the Ever. peace of
3: mind like i always you know i'm in the moment i'm like oh this is so expensive but when i get off that phone call or i finish the meeting and i have that peace of mind that i know I'm doing the right thing for my business. I know I'm following the right steps. Good counsel. It's just such a relief to have that, that you can just set that thought process aside and be like, okay, that
2: part's taken care of. I have peace of mind. Next thing, let's go. Yes. And then you're going to start looking at all of the things that maybe you would want to buy for your business and devices and equipment and researching what other people have in their consult bags and here's where i would actually recommend a little caution don't go shopping crazy on amazon to start your private practice right because you're going to i and i did this i made this mistake i was like oh well i need i need breast pump flanges and i need nipple shields and i want all different kinds of this and that and the other and i want like fancy notepad i don't know like all this yeah. stuff like i just went there and Honestly, in a consult, the things that I use the most are my exam gloves, my latex-free exam gloves, yep. my scale, and pretty much the other things that are there, for my, at least for my clientele, they can get them. If they need a nipple shield, they can buy it. If they right. need different size flanges, it's not hard for them to get it. But I am in New York City where you really can get everything at any time of the day or night. But even, but with, you know, internet delivery, it's just not that hard to find these supplies and source them. When you're just starting out, don't feel like you need to make a financial investment in things that you might end up giving away. Or if you sell them and you're, you live in the U.S., you have to, Then pay sales tax to the government. Don't
3: do it. Which is such a pain. Oh my gosh, we made this mistake as well. Oh, we did the whole Medella contract and spent $1,500 on products. And literally to this day, I guess I've been in business seven years, I still have some of that early product. I cannot even give it away. And I thought it was going to be so amazing to have all this with me. And a lot of times, especially if moms are birthing in the hospital, they get so much stuff when they leave that 95% of the time, if we might need a nipple shield. Somebody has thrown that at them in the hospital, you know, or all the pump flange parts and that kind of thing. And yes, we might need special sizes and stuff. But again, I'm in an area as well that it's so easy to get them or Amazon Prime it and overnight it to you. So I would 100% agree. Do not go spend a lot of money. Nice gloves are worth their weight in gold.
2: (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah,
3: that's... It's my favorite thing in the contact
2: in my console bag. <laughs> and there are some things that you're gonna maybe later you might say, oh, I'm actually really interested in doing pump fittings. And then you're saying, oh, I have a plan for my business. I have a way that I want to expand. Again, that's gonna require an investment, but you're not just buying everything and hoping it works out. Um right. so be strategic about it because there might be a time in your life where you say, Yes, I do want to invest in these things and this, but you're no you know why you're doing it and you know exactly what you're gonna use them for and you've thought it through and you're seeing how it's gonna add value to your private practice.
3: Right. And when you're making that investment of time, we were talking about in establishing your business. Something that I do is I have kind of like business days. I have an assistant, so it's her and I meeting together. And we talk through like, okay, what's coming up? What things might we want to look into? Let's reflect on something that we're seeing a pattern of. So it might be you've been in business for three months and you do notice every time you need a 21 millimeter Medella Flange, it's super hard to find in your town, it's not at Target, or you, you know, have an area that is harder to get it shipped to you, then it might be worth it to go ahead and stock those. But having that reflection time, I think is super important. We do it monthly and looking back and then looking ahead. So what things have not gone so well and what things do we think we could make brainstorm ideas on shifting them or things like this like I want to expand pump flange fittings or those kind of things. And then we look forward, you know what's coming up, what do we need to prepare for. I think this is a way to take that mindset of I'm running a business seriously and even if you're on your own, you can have I'm going to sit down with myself and I'm going to do this past and then present and then future focused thinking through brainstorming. I think it's a really great investment of your time and your business.
2: You are way more organized than me because here (laughs) is what happens to me is I go to a conference either in person or I watch one online and I hear something cool that somebody is doing and then I say, I'm going to do that too. That would be amazing. And that's how I end up with things I don't use. Even now, even after I just said, don't do that, I still do it. I know bright shiny things i like to try new things i want to have everything and so i really could benefit i'm going to listen to what you've said about having a regular check in to evaluate exactly what's going on i don't have an assistant but i could do that for myself i i don't need an assistant yeah be nice i mean i i like people so i would love to have somebody to talk to yeah. about this stuff but i could build that into my schedule I, and i'm thinking i could even set a reminder on my calendar to send me a message and say check in on your business and it'd be a good time for me to unpack my consult bag and, and actually maybe take Clean some out. stuff out yes, and just let it yes. go. And that would be okay. I spent money yes. on it, but, and it, and nothing came of it. And then I just have to say, okay, okay. I did that. I don't need don't to, don't to look this again. around
3: all the time. Yeah. And I think it's good to have like, so we, when we do that and Hey, here's another podcast. <laughs> but when we do that, we have set questions that we go through every time.
2: Oh, we're totally doing that as another episode. Okay. Okay. Make a note, make a note of that. (laughs) Make a note. So I think we can just kind of both agree that there's money that needs to be spent, but you want to be smart about it. And a lot of it really is just going to be personal to your area and what you're going to do. And we will definitely talk about price setting and all of that kind of big hairy mess at a later episode because, you know, we're talking about you have to spend money and you're expecting to make money. And I do want to leave everyone with that, that you are expecting this to be a business. You want your business to live and you want it to thrive and you want it to be something that brings you joy. And it's not going to bring you joy unless you find a way for it to be financially viable. So I really believe that's possible. It's going to look different for you know, for everybody, but right. I think that is a realistic goal to have. Yeah,
3: absolutely. That's a wonderful way to wrap up because I think so many people go into it kind of timid, like, well, I don't know if this is going to work out or not, or I don't know if I'll make money. And then you really have to have that mindset and that establishing a business and making it a viable contribution to yourself and your family. So that is a a beautiful way to end our, our the meat of this topic, but I wanted to ask you, Annie, I know you have a tech tip for us this week. What do you have?
2: I do. And it kind of relates to what we were just talking about. And my tech tip for this episode is I want you all to stop using free Gmail to communicate with your clients. And this is above and beyond any legal requirements you re- might have. Here in the U.S., Free Gmail is not HIPAA compliant. It's not legal. You can't do it. Please don't do it. If you're doing it, please stop. Be good to yourself. Forgive to yourself. Nobody's mad at you, but I still want you to stop. And the other reason, though, is for the presentation of your business. And we all know that Gmail is free, or maybe we don't know. Gmail is free because Google is reading our emails. Google's Mm. reading our emails so that it can advertise to us. That's why it's free because there is no such thing as a free lunch. And your clients may be, some of them might be more privacy-minded or tech-savvy. They might see that you're using a free Gmail, and that actually might make them nervous. They might say, I don't know if I can trust this person because I know Gmail is a little, they're reading my emails. I don't know that I want Gmail, Google reading the emails that I send. I don't want Google seeing pictures that I might want to send my lactation consultant by email. So take the time. It is not that much money to get a paid G suite account or set up an account through office 365. Those are the two best options, most affordable options for having HIPAA compliant, or if you're not in the U S and you don't need HIPAA secure email. It's not totally as secure as it could be. And that'll be a later tech tip, but secure enough for what you need it to do to present that privacy minded face to potential clients and to actually be that in your personal practice. So that is my tech tip for today. Say goodbye to free Gmail.
3: (laughs) I love that tip. And you know, one thing I look for that, like when people email me from a business and I see it's a Gmail account, it does give me pause. Like, wait, I thought you were with, you know, and I'm like, why are you emailing me from this? This is, you know, is this you with the business or is this something sketchy going on? So I thank you so much for that information. I feel like, again, I learned a whole bunch just then as well. Things I didn't know.
2: So this has been really fun talking about all of this stuff, but I also want to know as we end our conversation this week, what do you have going on? What's up for you in your private practice?
3: Yeah. So... This week coming up, I am going to be doing one of my corporate classes. And so, in an effort to try to be more organized and prepared, I have to go into a big office building and lug all my stuff with me. So I usually try to pack things up over the weekend. So that's what I've been working on, just trying to get everything together, all my tech and gear and be prepared for my class. I do those quarterly. So I really, really enjoy doing the corporate classes and getting to go in those super tall skyscrapers and and talk about breastfeeding. It's just, it's so awesome. So that's what I have going on coming up this week. How about you?
2: I have decided that On Tuesday, which is typically my very long consult day, I'm going to drop one of my consult spots and I'm going to give it to myself and have lunch with my very dear friend who is a home birth midwife. And I've been friends with her since before either one of us wanted to do any kind of birth or breastfeeding work. And our friends are kids and our friends, our kids see each other all the time, but she and I never actually get to sit down and talk. And so this is feeling very luxurious that we're going to have lunch together at a restaurant with our children are not going to be there in the middle of a work day. I can't wait. Oh, that's so awesome. And I'm so
3: glad that you take those little moments of time to carve them out. Because if you don't, they will never happen. You have to put it on your schedule, block everything else, and make those kind of things happen. I think that's an awesome way to serve both yourself and your business because, hey, you're networking. So that's awesome. Well, we want to thank you guys all for listening to Lactation Business Coaching with
2: Annie and Leah. And if you want links and resources related to our conversation and the marketing and tech tips that you heard from me and Leah, you can visit our website, lactationbusinesscoaching.com. Thanks so much. And we'll see you soon. Bye.
3: If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend and leave us a review. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode.